Dominic Laheef, writer and director of Slow Light. Welcome. Thank you for speaking with me. Let's start off by telling the listeners, uh, what is Slow Light? Slow Light is a female revenge thriller. Um, the story itself actually revolves around a, uh, a girl who commits suicide uh, because of a sex tape which has been uploaded to the internet and the sister which sets out to avenge her death. Um, Slow Light is also uh, a first of its kind. It's an audiovisual album. So in essence, it's a silent film um, which is divided into 12 chapters with each chapter being set to a track from the uh, debut solo album by Neil Davidge, uh, and that's Neil Davidge of uh, Massive Attack. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a, a feature-length film? Yeah, it's going to be about 70, 75 minutes long. And it's it's really interesting, going back to what you said, that the the film is kind of, it kind of uses Neil Davidge's solo album as a, as a foundation for the narrative. How did you conceive this concept? Okay, so we first, uh, my producer and I first worked with Neil in 2013. Um, We were commissioned to create a film for the American Museum of Natural History, um, which plays before the the space show, the dome show there. Um, So we were commissioned to create a 10-minute film, which kind of simply explained the concepts, um, which were more fully explored within the dome show. And that was, you know, a series of images, um, which are set to music, And the story was, you know, a little girl, she wakes up in her bedroom in the middle of the night. She interacts with various objects in her bedroom. And through her interactions with these objects, she kind of triggers these on-screen supers, which explain various concepts of astronomy and cosmology. Um, I can actually send you a link to that or post a link to that if your readership or listeners are interested to hear that. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. In that process, we contacted several composers, and uh, it was Neil's work uh, which really kind of stood out for us. Um, So what Neil did was he sent us his entire album, and he asked us to choose a track which we would uh, then adapt um, and kind of use as the basis for this museum film. Uh, So we chose one of the tracks, which was a track called That Fever, and then we kind of based the images um, on the movements of that track. So the film itself is about 10 minutes, Uh, Neil extended the track for us and once that process was complete we were really happy with um, you know the kind of marriage of our visuals and Neil's music Uh, we still had his album we sort of continued to listen to the album and it really haunted us you know like it has this incredibly cinematic sound it has very light moods it has very dark moods it has these moments of extreme kind of transcendence and it also has these moments of extreme sorrow and sadness so we began to sort of you know feel that we could wring a narrative out of this and as far as we knew as something which hadn't really been previously explored um my producer and i have always been very interested in 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 film noir in kind of femme fatales in female revenge thrillers in these type of movies where the um you know, the, the, the typical kind of white male protagonist of Hollywood film has the tables turned on him and has his expectations kind of completely ripped out from underneath him and has his position of dominance and control almost kind of exploited. I mean, if you look at recent movies, I suppose some good examples would be uh, Ex Machina, um, the mm-hmm. Alex Garland film, also um, the two most recent Fincher movies, which would be uh, Gone Girl and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And then if you reach a little further back into film history, you could almost look at kind of classic film noirs like uh, Double Indemnity, um, Scarlet Street, and Out of the Past as 
you know, kind of the antecedents to that. Um, so yeah, those those were influences which we we had always felt, and those were themes which we always wanted to explore. So in conjunction with with Neil's album, with the moods and the contrasting feelings of Neil's album, um, and you know, kind of informed by those influences, we began to uh, to put a story together and. Uh, the idea was to um, to start with the male perspective, you know, to start with a very much our audience identifying with a, a male character, but then at the halfway point we would shift um, and then we would identify with a female perspective, with a female character, and it would kind of turn into this female revenge thriller. Now, the, the, the way that you tell the story, like you said, it, it switches perspective, which I think is interesting, especially considering that it, at its core it seems like it's a revenge thriller, that that has a, a female lead. I was wondering if you could expand on how you're portraying the story with that shift in perspective. Yeah, sure. From male that's, to female. That's a really great um, question, actually. So the first six chapters of the story, obviously each chapter being set to a track from the album, they're actually told from the, the, the male point of view. So we pick up our lead character and he's kind of mourning the death of his mother. Uh, and he's actually in free fall. You know, he's he's going through a, a very difficult time. He's kind of leading this very aimless, debauched existence where he's going out every night and he's drinking and he's indulging himself and he's womanizing. Um, he actually meets um, a new woman, this very beautiful, mysterious woman, um, who initially he just thinks is going to be his latest sexual conquest. But she actually begins to move further into his very closely guarded inner life. Um, now, at the halfway point, we're introduced to a completely new character who is mourning the death of her sister. Um, shortly after her introduction, we find out via a phone call that she and the mysterious woman are actually very closely affiliated, and she has employed the services of this woman to dig deeper and to find evidence of a sex tape, um, which our, our lead male character has been hiding. And then, you know, once they have ascertained his guilt in making this sex tape, they plan to enact their kind of vengeance on him. So if you think of it like um, a kind of reverse take on, uh, on Psycho, the Alfred Hitchcock film, where, you know, we begin with our, our, our female uh, character, who's actually the lead, and then she, she winds up getting uh, murdered halfway through mm -hmm. the film. And then, you know, obviously our audience identification shifts to the, uh, to the Norman Bates character. So the perspective at the, the midway point in the slow line film actually shifts to the, uh, you know, to the female characters, to their perspective, to their kind of efforts to, uh, to, to get to the bottom of this mystery. Now, uh, you have a trailer up mm -hmm. on the Kickstarter mm -hmm. page that, that you guys already created. It contains a lot of kind of stylized and surreal imagery. Is this something that will be featured prominently throughout the, the full-length film? Um, very much so. It's, it's very much going to be, um, you know, this, this kind of very surreal, kind of redolent, uh, stylized imagery. Um, but we're, we're hoping that the narrative will be, you know, kind of clearly felt as well. Um, obviously, um, prior to the introduction of sound, uh, all film was silent, and, you know, a lot of, People have kind of critiqued and commented that one of the, uh, you know, one of the biggest blows to the, uh, the the development of visual language in cinema was the introduction. Um, the idea behind the trailer itself was it was the uh, the sister kind of reminiscing over this, this sexual episode while she was in the bathtub and actually, you know, kind of having quite dark and suicidal thoughts because she had felt humiliated by this. And so just. Just to clarify, this is going to be, uh, is there going to be any dialogue in this? Any kind of like ex expository dialogue or is it going to be just st straight up using the music? 
Yeah, we may use some VO uh, in places. You know, we may use VO and little bits of sound, de sound design, but for the most part, it's going to be you know purely visuals and music. Fantastic, that's great. So, the trailer looks gorgeous. So I'm assuming that the film is going to look as gorgeous as the trailer. Can you tell us a little bit about the how you're shooting the film? Yeah, sure, of course. Um, so we, we're shooting the film um, quite traditionally, actually, with, uh, with 35mm film stock, um, which is something that we endeavor to do. Um, obviously, it's becoming harder and harder to do these days with the proliferation of digital cameras. And, you know, there is a, a slightly more, a slightly higher degree of effort involved with shooting film. Um, but, you know, we think that even now we, when you're delivering something to the web, if, if, if that's your kind of most basic delivery format, there is such a, a huge deluge of content being uploaded to channels such as YouTube and Vimeo every day. We feel that film is, is still the best way to make your story stand out, um, you know, from this, this massive kind of very generic looking digital footage where people apply filters in post, where people kind of, you know, they, they, they are you know, kind of overly reliant on post tools mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, to define their look. Um, whereas with shooting film, we've always found that obviously you're, you're limited in, in what you shoot because, you know, you have to buy the film stock, you have to account for processing the film stock and transferring it. So you actually have to be a lot more disciplined about what it is that you're going to shoot um, before you move into the production. So you actually, you solve a lot of your problems that, you know, uh, if you shoot digital, you're kind of trying to solve the problem, problems in post-production. You're trying to think through this massive footage that you've shot. Um, whereas when you're shooting film, you actually have to be a lot more judicious in what you shoot. Um, and therefore, you have to develop your story a lot more fully in advance. So we feel at least that it, it <coughs> results in a much more satisfactory product, um, both, both aesthetically and in terms of the discipline of filmmaking and narratively. Um, from a personal perspective, I also find that Film captures uh, skin tones, uh, human skin tones, in a way which is much more tangible and, and relatable than video. I mean, certainly we've shot both on digital formats and on film formats, and the, the kind of emotional reaction, the visceral reaction that we get from viewers has always been far greater, you know, kind of vis-a-vis -vis what you um, just conveyed to me, to the projects which originated on film than it has been to the project which originated on digital. Also, budgetary-wise, um, there's actually a lot less uh, light required to make a beautiful looking image on film than there is on digital. You know, there's, mm -hmm. you can actually move from a very dimly lit interior uh, to a very brightly kind of sunlit exterior and not have to do a huge kind of exposure compensation when you move between those areas. So we, you can actually move a lot more quickly and nimbly uh, than you can were you to shoot digital. And I also noticed the one, one thing about film versus digital is that uh, although it's getting better, the blacks in film are always much blacker. Mm -hmm. They're much deeper blacks, and in your trailer, at least, you you predominantly used a lot of deep blacks in that, and it just it just really popped. It looked really great. Yeah, I mean that was that was definitely a, a concern, and uh, you know that was definitely obviously the, the feeling of the the trailer itself is quite dark. Her, the the girl's mood is you know she's weeping. She's in a bathtub full of inky black water so emotionally she's in a, a very dark place and obviously we did want to convey that through the uh, the visuals of the trailer and yeah I mean film you know I mean digital you, you can see into shadow areas a lot with digital but you know we did like that that element of shadow and light of darkness and light that was something that we you know there was an important kind of theme to us running throughout the uh, throughout the piece.
Let's talk about the Kickstarter campaign itself. So as of this recording on August 20th, you have two weeks left with a goal of $70,000. In addition to seeing the final product, I was wondering if you could tell us about some of the rewards the backers can receive for donating. Mm -hmm, Sure. Um, yeah, so the backers can uh, receive rewards all the way from you know kind of various pieces pieces of merchandise which have been exclusively uh, designed for the production. We worked with some very very talented designers. Uh, there was Brandon Schaefer um, who is has a company called Off Seek and Speak, and he does tons of indie films. Uh, too many to to mention, but he's a a brilliant designer who works for very very competitive rates. And then we worked with some newer designers out of England called Of Stick and Bone who actually first came to my attention, they did this beautiful kind of fan-made poster for Cronenberg's uh, Videodrome where they hand-painted a picture of Debbie Harry uh, and then they added lots of kind of computer glitch on top of that, which, uh, you know, was this beautiful standalone piece. We contacted them on the basis of that and they agreed to come on board the Slow Light Project and create this custom artwork. Um, interestingly enough, we also have, uh, the, the project is backed by Neil Davidge, so we have a lot of rewards which kind of span Neil's musical career. Um, you know, we have signed copies of his albums with Massive Attack. Um, we actually, at the higher end of re- the reward tiers, we have original compositions made by Neil himself. Um, he's offered to take donors on a, a musical tour of Bristol, you know, to the studios where kind of Portishead's album was recorded, to where the classic Massive Attack albums are recorded, uh, to where 3D from Massive Attack's graffiti, uh, you know, kind of first went up. And uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but one of the founding members of Massive Attack was actually the graffiti inspiration for Banksy. Banksy based a lot of his earlier work or took a lot of his early inspiration from 3D of Massive Attack. So those are all things that donors could enjoy um, on this kind of personal tour with Neil through the streets of Bristol. Um, Obviously, again, yeah, there's this huge... um, Kind of potential in, in licensing a track for from Neil. Obviously, uh, apart from the Massive Attack albums, he's also done the, the Halo Four soundtrack, which was the biggest selling video game soundtrack of all time, as well as you know, kind of many movie soundtracks, which are kind of too numerous to actually mention here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's. I think that the rewards are great. We've also paired with uh, an, an audio brand called M Audio, who actually donated a number of their new code series uh, keyboards to the Kickstarter, um, which are available on the Kickstarter to donors at sub-retail price. So the retail price is actually lower than they would pay anywhere else, and this is a keyboard that's just been released. Then obviously we have your more traditional Kickstarter fare. We have, uh, you know, premiere tickets, um, executive producer credits, uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, postcards, tote bags, PDFs of the script, uh, the Digipack, which is, you know, the digital download of the film, the digital download of the album. Um, It's got um, behind-the-scenes photographs, behind-the-scenes videos. We also have, you know, to promote the film format, we have a a lesson in shooting film for anyone that would care to, uh, you know, to learn more about actually shooting film and a tour of Panavision. Um, I'm sure there's a couple more which I've forgotten, but that is, you know, pretty much everything that comes to mind right now. Yeah. Just just as in a quick aside, right before we did this interview, I was reading a, uh, an article about uh, Banksy's new installation that he has going right now, and I read that they're doing a big concert there, and Massive Attack's going to be there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a very close, obviously, the Bristol scene. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Bristol, but it's a, it's quite a small city, so the, the kind of creative community there is a very tight-knit community. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So... Just talking about the rewards, uh, 
I've done a lot of these interviews with Kickstarter projects, and sometimes the rewards are you know, a little eh, but these are extremely high quality. I just wanted to say that because I'm just looking through. That was one thing that immediately caught my eye. The the posters are extremely well done, and just the fact that you know you can get the M Audio keyboards and stuff that's that's great. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, we. We did spend a lot of time um, putting together, you know, we spent a lot of time in, in pre-production on the Kickstarter and that's something that I would, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm no expert and we haven't yet reached our goal, you know, we're hoping to, knock on wood, um, but I, I would recommend, I mean, that's something that we, we try and bring to every element, whether we're shooting something or however embarking on a project, uh, preparation, preparation, preparation is the key. I mean, we were preparing to launch for most of the year, so we were kind of getting our elements together pretty far in advance. And the same with the trailer. We spent an enormous amount of time preparing for the trailer, deciding what it is we were going to shoot and how we were going to shoot it. The same with the script. Obviously, we spent a large amount of time listening to the album, subdividing it into chapters, deciding exactly what would happen in which chapter, uh, which character's perspective the chapter would be told from, and how the sequence of events in the chapter would actually sync with the musical movement of the album, because obviously the music is dictating the emotion and feeling of the uh, you know, of the visuals itself, so the events portrayed in each chapter had to advance the story, had to make sense as a narrative, but also had to synchronize with the music. I mean, you can't have, you know, this very kind of bombastic active track with some very ponderous, you know, kind of emotional slow <laughs> images. So, yeah, I, I'd say that, um, you know, in, in terms of the, sorry to digress somewhat, but in terms of the, uh, the, the Kickstarter images and, you know, the quality of, of the merchandise, it was... It was really like, yeah, a, a lot of prep and obviously, you know, like a, a lot of time that we spent leading into that to make sure that, you know, we really wanted to give this, this project is, is incredibly important to my producer and I, um, you know, it, it deals with, um, you know, people who are disenfranchised, it deals with cyberbullying, it deals with shaming, it deals with coercion and obviously those are things which are very pertinent to audiences now. Like, you know, we see all of this kind of revenge porn going online. Um, obviously, teenagers are, are sharing, you know, somewhat explicit photographs. There's a lot of cyberbullying. So that was, with the sex tape angle, that was something that we really wanted to, to foreground and, and also to foreground this bond that exists between women, between sisters, uh, between friends, between mothers and their sons. And we're hoping that the film will, will kind of, give people hope, we'll give people inspiration, we'll, we'll give voice to the voiceless and, and, and give a certain amount of confidence to those who feel dispossessed or, you know, afraid to come forward with their own stories. So there is definitely that slant to it as, as well, um, you know, and that's, that's definitely an important um, element that we're trying, to, uh, we're trying to push. I mean, we're currently kind of exploring, um, you know, uh, partnering with, with a, a couple of kind of um, organizations, non-for-profits that seek to help girls who, or, or, or men even, who feel like they've, they've been somewhat exploited. Obviously, we wouldn't advocate going out and uh, indulging in bloody vengeance, but yeah, that's the, uh, the entertainment right. film. So. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Dominic, thank you so much for speaking with me. I'll be sure to paste a link to the campaign in the notes so anyone listening can check it out. Be sure to do uh, donate. Best of luck for the rest of the project. Thank you, and thank you so much for uh, taking the time to, uh, to talk and to listen.